So we are here in our series right now, and the theme, that's kind of our teaching theme for the year, and that's the theme of the series in particular. Uh, and this came to uh, me at our, at our last, at my last sermon planning retreat, just sort of praying about what is it that I think God is calling us to. And as I was looking through, through Scripture, looking through God's Word, just reading, I was impressed with this sense of urgency that is pretty prevalent throughout the Bible. Uh, Jesus is constantly, you know, saying, you know, we've got to work while it's day in the Gospel of John. Um, he will tell the disciples they need to wake up if they're going to, you know, do what they need to do. Uh, and then you come into the life of Paul, who, you know, he sort of really takes the church to the next level, and he takes the, the message of Jesus to the whole known world. And this guy is just urgency is probably his key word. I mean, that is just Paul is an urgent guy. He is constantly on the move. He does not let the grass grow under his feet. He is always going, always doing something. And I really felt like God is, you know, he, we know what to do often. And we're like, yeah, I'm going to get to that later. I'm going to do it later. You know, now is not a good time. Now later will be a better time. And, and I really felt like God was saying, no, right now is sort of that moment. Like this is the place that you need to be, and you need to do something about it now. There's an urgency to it. And I started thinking about, you know, what is it that God calls us to? You know, he, he calls us to be present in this moment. You know, we have limited time, and God wants us to make the most out of our lives. He wants us to be here in this moment. He wants us to be present in each moment. He wants us to, to live right you know, now, in this moment. He wants us to, to love right now in this moment. And he wants us to care right now in this moment. And so putting all this together, I really just felt this thing that God is just calling us to right now. And we're using this phrase a little differently. The idea of restoring or correcting or making right now, this present moment. That right now, in this moment, we're called to right now. We're called to make it right. We're called to do right now. You know, we spend a lot of time spending, uh, you know, our, our energy looking back. You know, we look back on the past, and most people think of the past with a lot of nostalgia. You know, it's interesting to how we refer to the past. You know, often those were, the, you know, those were the good old days. You know, we can't have good new days. We can't have good present days. Those were the good old days, you know, the, the happy days, you know, it was a TV show about times gone by, you know, the golden days. These are all things that happened in the past. But let me tell you, you can't live back there. You only get to live right now. You only get to live right here in this moment. And so we'd better make this the happy day. We better make this the good new day. We better make this the golden day. That's the choice we have. We can't go back in time. We really can't go forward. The best thing we can do is deal with this present moment in time. And God wants us to make the most of it. He wants us to, we'll look at a passage later uh, in the series, He wants us to redeem the time. Make, make every moment count. And that's what Paul's going to call the church to do in Romans 13. He, he's writing to them, and I want to give you a little bit of context, because Romans 13 is one of those passages that, that a lot of people look at, and it talks a little bit about the government. And I know that, you know, if you look at the polls, you know, apparently nobody's happy with the government at all right now. Everybody's angry, everybody's mad, everybody's upset about something. You know, you're, if you're not mad about the president, you're mad about Congress. If you're not mad about Congress, you're mad about the Senate or, you know, the Supreme Court or, you know, the local dog catcher. I don't know. You're mad about something. That's what the news tells me. And, and Paul is writing to people who've got problems with their government, too. 
you know, uh, but here's the thing with their government, like, they didn't, like, vote on them. <laughs> um, like, they had a Caesar. Like, Caesar didn't run every four years. Like, Nero wasn't, like, putting up campaign posters, being like, hope you'll vote for me, you know, in AD 4, you know, I, not like AD 4, but AD 4. I hope you'll vote for me, you know, I'm running again for Caesar, hope you vote for me, if you don't, I'll kill you. That's kind of the scenario that, that they've got, and they're finding themselves sort of surrounded you know, with a lot of people complaining, a lot of people upset, you know, it was better when, you know, the good old days then. And, you know, Paul is kind of saying, you know, we got to put this aside. We got to sort of move past this. This is just where we are. This is just what we've got. These are the people we're dealing with. This is a government that's in place. So sort of let's get over that and let's do the best to make right now count. And he'll, he'll, talk, he'll talk about taxes and he'll say, you know, don't worry about that. Let's not worry about that. Let's not worry about, you know, these other things. He says, let's Let's work really hard that the only thing we owe each other is love and we treat each other with respect. And he's going to call the, the church there to, to owe each other love, to live their life loving like Jesus. And then he's going to come in here to this passage, and this is kind of, I think, highlights the urgency of the message. And that's what I want to focus on here this morning. Here's what he writes in Romans 13, 11. He says, the hour has come for you to wake up. He says, I want you to wake up from your sleep. He says, our full salvation is closer now than it was when we first believed in Christ. The dark night of evil is nearly over. The day of Christ's return is almost here. So let us get rid of the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us act as we should, like people living in the daytime, have nothing to do with wild parties. Don't get drunk. Don't take part in sexual sins or evil conduct. Don't fight with each other. Don't be jealous of anyone. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ as your clothing. Don't think about how to satisfy what your sinful nature wants. Paul is letting us know, listen, first and foremost, the message he's got for us is this, is that our time on earth is short. He's saying, listen, the time is short. You know, the time is not unlimited. And so it's important that we wake up in this moment. Uh, if you've been driving for more than like probably five years, maybe 10 years, I know we've got new drivers and old drivers and and some of you maybe shouldn't be driving anymore, and that's okay. Um, but, you know, if you've been driving for more than about five years, you've probably got yourself into this place where you can drive subconsciously. And, and, and you know that, I mean, drive subconsciously when, like, let's say you're driving from here to work, or maybe even from here to Nashville, and you've got something else on your mind. You're thinking about, you know, maybe a conversation you had, or you're thinking about work, or you're thinking about school, or you're thinking about a problem, and you're just kind of consumed with your own thoughts. And you arrive at your destination, and you go, I don't remember getting here. I don't remember the drive. I don't really remember anything. I see some of you nodding your heads. That's, that's, I, I'll, I'll own that. That's me too. There are times where you drive, and you're like, man, how did, I, how did I get here? I know I was behind the wheel, but I just don't remember any of it. And that's, that's okay because there's apparently this subconscious you know, mechanism inside of our brain that allows us to drive uh, totally not thinking about it. Now, here we go. There's, uh, you're going to like this. Okay. The government, I'm sure, funded this study, but they hooked people up to computers and driving simulators, and they discovered that the anterior cingulate cortex, for those of you that are taking notes, there will not be a test later, but the anterior cingulate cortex, or the ACC, is a piece of our brain that compensates for distraction. 
And so they hooked folks up to a driving simulator, and they had like brain scanning technology, you know, happening, and they were driving, and they would give them different problems, things to think about, sometimes really comp- complexicated, there you go, math problems, and they would give them all sorts of stuff to be thinking about while they're driving, and they discovered this, that you could be totally distracted in your mind thinking about something else, like what is the square root of 4,797? You know, I don't know. You know, work on that for a little while while you drive, uh, they found that actually when your mind disengaged and even sort of like your mind's eye sort of like switched to the chalkboard in your mind as you're trying to work that out, they actually found that this anterior, whatever it is, the ACC would, would correct your driving. And as they, they noticed, they were saying that there's this kind of this jittery wheel handling. You know, if you drive, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, if you go to the right, you got to go back to the left, that kind of thing. They noticed that actually we were better drivers subconsciously that the car stayed straighter when you weren't thinking about it. That if you were just sort of driving and you'd have gone into the subconscious zone, your car was going to stay straighter. Now, they did also test on texting. Now, they discovered that that actually interrupts the entire circuit. So none of you are a better driver while you text, I promise. You know, it's a honk if you love Jesus, text if you want to meet him. Um, So... They found that if you're texting and driving at the same time, not only is your mind, your eyes, see, that was the thing, is your eyes had to be on the road. As soon as your eyes came off the road, the autopilot feature of your brain just shut off. And then as soon as you put your thumbs on your cell phone, they, I mean, you might as well pour gas in your car and, and light a match. I mean, that's really what we're looking at here. That's, you know, they said that's not good. They said, but if your eyes were on the road, even if you were thinking about something else, daydreaming about the kind of life you'd like to have or the job you wish you were driving to, um, that was okay. You know, their subconscious was going to take care of that. Now, I think that's a marvelous, uh, you know, feature, you know, upgrade that our brain has. And I think it's a wonderful thing that that works that way, because often my mind is someplace else. The problem, however, is this. I think that we go through life on autopilot. I think that in a lot of ways in life, we go through life not thinking much about what we're doing. You know, we go from home to work, and then, you know, work, and we have lunch, and then we go back to work, or, you know, we stay there, we work through lunch or whatever, and then you go from work back to home, and then you go from, you know, you do your night thing, and you come back in the morning, and you, it's home to work, work to home, home to work, work to home, and then the weekend comes, and we kind of got the same routine there. You maybe you go to church, you know, maybe you're on the once a week, you know, plan, once a month plan, I don't know, you go to that, and then you go back home, and you go to work, and we just kind of go through life on autopilot. You know, we just, you know, this is how it is. This is what it's going to be. And we get in this rut. It's been said that a rut is a grave with the ends just kicked out of it. And we are stuck in this place. And we don't think about how we got here. We don't think about where we got there. We're just sort of stuck daydreaming. And we wonder why we don't get anywhere else. It's because we're not awake. And I think Paul is saying, listen, the time is short. It's time to wake up and live. It's time to make our lives count. Here's how the psalmist describes it. Uh, The psalmist says this, you have given me only a few days to live. He says, my life, my whole life doesn't seem like anything to you. No man's life lasts longer than a breath. That's how short our time is. Friends, last week we made this commitment to not go back. That's sort of step one of of right now. If we're going to right now, step one is we can't go back. And so step two is to pay attention, but we're not going to pay attention if we keep doing the things we've quit, which is why Paul is also going to remind us to stop doing the things we've quit. You know, this is the time of year when people quit eating bad. They're going to quit sitting around. They're going to quit smoking. They're going to do all these things. 
I so desperately wanted to show that clip from Airplane, but the sensors that work here vetoed that. They said, you cannot show that video and come back to work on Monday. And I said, okay, how about Tuesday? And they said, that's not going to work either. Um, so I'll just tell you what the clip is. So you've got uh, bridges there in the uh, you know, air traffic control. If you've seen, has, have you, have, who's seen Airplane? Oh, this is sad. We're going to have to do a church airplane viewing. That, I probably can't come back to work after that either. Um, <laughs> So you got bridges there in the, the control tower, and it's all going bad. And so it starts, the clip of the movie is him like grabbing a cigarette, and he goes, man, I picked a bad week to quit smoking. It goes on a little bit more, and then he pulls a flask out of his, his jacket, and he goes, I picked a bad week to quit drinking. And then you know, a little bit later, the movie gets worse, and he pulls out a bottle of pills, and he says, man, I picked a bad week to quit amphetamines. And then the last time you see him before he totally checks out is he's got a bottle of glue and he says, man, I picked a bad week to quit sniffing glue. And then it's over. You know, I think that's so funny because that's kind of how life is. Maybe not amphetamines, you know, sniffing glue or that. But, you know, how many of us quit something, you know, January 1st only to pick it back up again on January 3rd? How many of you said, man, I'm not ever, ever going to do that until like next week. And then we're back at it. Friends, there's never a good time to stop these things. There's never a good time to quit smoking or quit drinking or sniffing glue or amphetamines. If that's your problem, there's never going to be a good time. But friends, we've got to stop doing the things we've quit. Last Sunday, we had a really moving time when a lot of folks came forward and, and we, we washed our hands of all the stuff we kind of wanted to leave in the past. And you left them here until like Monday. And then you picked them back up again. And Paul says, listen, you got to stop doing the things you've quit. His words are this. He says, the dark night of evil. He says, it's almost over. He says, you know, the sun is about to rise and the darkness is about to be gone. And then everybody's going to see and everybody's going to know. And it's all going to be revealed. And Paul's big question is, what do you want to be found doing? What do you not want to be found doing? Paul says, we got to put those things behind us. We've got to put those things aside. Andrew Wilkinson's a ca- Canadian businessman who's getting a little bit of ink right now. Uh, he's trying to rethink the productivity world by coming up not with a list of goals or a to-do list, but he calls them anti-goals or a not-to-do list. And he just found himself in his business doing a lot of things he really, really hated and so he, he set to the, the task of writing out what the worst possible day he could ever have, what it would look like. And so he just came up with a list of like, what is the worst possible day? And his list included things like, you know, doing business with people he didn't like, having his schedule dictated by others. He didn't like um, having to deal with people he didn't like or trust. He hated long days filled with meetings. Um, and so he came up with, based off of his worst day, he came up with a list of things he was not ever going to do again. And that's sort of what he did. He said, I'm not going to focus so much on what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus on what I'm not going to do and see if that makes a difference. Uh, Tim Ferriss, who wrote the uh, four-hour work week, he's a big fan. And he says, the things we don't do determines the things we can do. And that's true. Now, you might not be able to do that in your work life. You might not be able to do that in some areas. But I'll tell you, there's a lot of places we can where we can say, you know, that's it, we're done. I'm going to stop doing the things I've quit. I'm going to wake up and live. I'm not going to be on autopilot, just moving from thing to thing. I'm going to take ownership and control of my life. 
Paul says, listen, Jesus is coming back soon. He says the time is short. He says, let's not waste it doing the things that we've already said we don't want to do. Let's spend that time doing the things we want to do, preparing ourselves for the light of eternity. And this kind of comes back to the main theme, the place where he started, where he says, listen, if we can you know, realize that our time on earth is short, if we can stop doing the things that we've quit, then here's what's going to happen. We'll be able to be free to live our lives with Jesus, loving the people we meet, actually being present in each moment, in this moment, listening to God, listening to the people around us, expressing the love that we have for them. Paul says this is a conscious decision. He says it's like when you get up in the morning, you've got to consciously choose to put on Jesus Christ. The same way you put on a shirt and you put on your pants and you put your shoes on before you got the door, Paul says you're going to have to choose to put on Jesus. It's not going to happen naturally. You're going to have to just choose, say, God, I want to be clothed in Christ today. And, you know, you think about this conscious choice, and you think about us as humans, and it's pretty spectacular the, the difference that is between humanity and maybe the rest of the created world. You know, I don't know of an animal that can go on a hunger strike for a higher purpose. I don't know of, of animals that will, you know, choose to sacrifice themselves for a cause that they believe in. I don't know of an animal that, that's going to withdraw for a period of solitude to, to you know, recorrect its time of thinking and rearrange its relationship with God. I don't know of an animal that chooses to fast uh, so that way they can spend more time in prayer. Friends, it's not natural for us to choose those things, but it is within our capacity. We have the ability to not be on autopilot. And that's what Paul talks about. He says, you know, there's some of you, he says, that are living on autopilot. He says, and he talks about it. He says, you know, you're just going to these, you know, he, his, his words. He says, you're going to these wild parties, and you're getting drunk, and you're doing all these things. He says, that's just you bouncing from desire to desire to desire. He says, you don't have to live like that. That's what people who are asleep at the wheel do. He says, you have the ability to choose. You don't have to go through life subconsciously driven by unexamined desire. Paul says, stop using people. Don't abuse yourself. Don't take advantage of others. You know, those are the things maybe our eyes were drawn to in that passage. But I don't know if you noticed, Paul also calls out a few other sins in this night of darkness. He calls out jealousy. He, he calls out quarreling. You know, those are things we call socially acceptable sins. But Paul says, listen, don't do that. Don't just go pick fights with people. Don't reduce somebody to the, to the value of the things that they own. D don't, don't go there. Paul says don't take advantage of them. Don't use them. Don't reduce them to the sum of their parts. We might ask this question, how do we know if what I'm doing is wrong or not? In his commentary on this passage, Robert Mounts writes this. He says the desire for darkness is itself an admission of the wrongness of the act. Friends, it's time for us to put these things aside. It's time for us to wake up and live. It starts with letting go of the past, and it, it comes now today to this idea of paying attention, of being awake. Back to driverless cars. I read recently that uh, there's a town in Arizona where they're doing a lot of driverless car testing technology. 
and the driverless cars there have been under attack, seriously. Uh, they'll drive through town, they're labeled, and the residents hate the fact that their town is used as a guinea pig. And so they come out with like sticks and clubs and baseball bats, and whenever like one of these driverless cars is parked at a stop sign, they like come out and they beat it up. Um, they'll come out like of the bushes and they'll like slash its tires when it's stopped. I mean, it's, it's pretty... It's pretty weird. I don't, I'm not, you know, they're, they're anti, the robots are coming. Um, you know, that's, this is the problem. But we're, we're getting ready to live in a world in a time where there's probably going to be a lot of autonomous vehicles and, and travel. I mean, Tesla has, you know, theirs that they're working on. Uh, they've had some fatality accidents. That's, you know, that's a bummer. Um, we're anti that. Um, and sort of to cover their hiney, I found this interesting. Tesla was like, you know, our autopilot feature you know, is just a driver's aid. You know, you're still supposed to have your hands on the wheel and you're supposed to be paying attention because you are ultimately in control of the vehicle. And I mean, if I've got to keep my hands on the wheel and pay attention, what, what am I paying for autopilot for? Because that's, I thought that was the whole point to not have to do that. But they're saying, you know, you're, you got to take ownership for it. And I think that's the thing. You know, a lot of times we live through life and we just kind of move around and we just kind of take the course of least resistance we take the path of least resistance, but we are ultimately responsible for our lives. We're ultimately the people that are in the driver's seat. We are the ones that have to decide to live them. And so it's important for us to wake up and live. It's time for us to pay attention. I, I want to give a real practical um, application idea for us this week. Just a real simple challenge. You're not going to be blown away by the depth of this, but I think if you were to really adopt this practice that you would find that you live your life a lot more aware of what God is doing. Two, two parts that go into this. Here you go. First in the morning, pray over your day before you begin. Pray over your day before you begin. Uh, so this would mean for our morning folks that you just set that clock five minutes earlier and you get to greet the sun just a little bit sooner and you just like, good Good morning, Lord, and you're just excited, and you're going to pray over your day. You're going to look at your calendar. You're going to say, oh, God, this is what's coming up today be here. And, and that would be the thing, is to just take the time and say, God, as I go through the day, whether it's I'm going to school, I'm going to work, I'm going to wherever, God, would you be with me in this moment? If, if you've got your book, you can look, and if you've got some appointments, pray over those and say, God, would you help me to pay attention to you? I think that's the prayer we want to be praying, is God, will you help me to pay attention to what you're doing? Will you help me to pay attention to the people that are around me? That's the morning prayer. Now, if you're not a morning person, there's another neat thing you can do. You can pray in your car. Um, and you can, you know, apparently we've got this autopilot feature, so you can actually talk to the Lord and still drive safely. Your eyes are open. You don't have to text Jesus. Um, he's there. He's listening. And you use that time, and you say, God, as I go into this day, as I begin it, would you be with me in this moment? And let's surrender our day in prayer. The second part of this is in the evening. Uh, some traditions call this the examine. Uh, what this is, is you, right before you go to bed, uh, don't, like, you know, when Netflix is like, do you want to watch the next episode? Don't be like, yeah, until you're totally tired, you know, just cut it off, you know, maybe one early. It, it'll just take a little bit longer. You just savor the show a little bit more. And you go and you say, all right, God, I just want to think back through my day. And you just reflect on your day. And I call it kind of watching the tape. You know, you go back in the morning and say, God, can we just look at this day together real quick? We start in the morning. We go through everything, just scene by scene, and in those moments, you're saying, God, will you help me to see the places maybe where I've got to make a correction, I've got to make something right? Or God, will you show me how you've been present in my life today? And you pay attention to your day that way. Now, here's what I would encourage you to do. We're going to sing a song in a second, and we're going to invite folks to come forward if you need to receive Jesus or if you need to make a commitment to the church. 
But I would encourage you to leverage technology in your favor. Uh, my phone, when I've got an appointment that's about to happen, a, a train whistle goes off. And it's kind of funny because in our house, we can hear this noise. Like if my phone's in my room and we're all the way out in like the, the, the family room, if that train whistle goes off, like everybody's ears, the kids, Jenny's, mine, they all perk up. And the automatic assumption is we all look at each other and we go, we're late for something. That's just sort of what we assume. Like we forgot, if we're in the car and we hear it, we know where we're going. Uh, but it's a reminder that lets us know we're supposed to go do something. So I would encourage you if, you, if you're really serious, you're like, man, you know what, I really want to pay attention this year. I really want to, to take my relationship with Christ to the next level. Leverage technology in your favor. You know, set an alarm for this entire week to either remind you as you're driving into work, because what happens? You get in the car, you turn on the radio, and you forget about it. You just kind of get in the zone. Set a reminder to say, you know, I'm going to pay attention this morning. Set one at night that reminds you that, you know, I'm going to go to bed five minutes earlier so that way I can take the time to pay attention. I think if we do that, I think if you do that, you will see that, that God is so much more present than you had previously noticed. He's always with us. Let's take the time to pay attention and see what he's doing. That's the challenge. Let me pray for us, and then we'll have our song of invitation. God, we are thankful for the way that you are always with us. God, you have done so much for us. You are worthy of every moment of our life. You're worthy of, of every breath that we breathe, God. We want to live our lives for you. And God, I think that starts with us paying attention to you, to, to actually listening to your voice and looking for your hand at work in our lives. And so, God, this week, would you give us the strength and the awareness to to rise and accept the challenge, to, to pay attention, just starting in the morning, starting in the evening, to looking for you and paying attention, God, because we want to make this moment right. We want to right now, but we can't do that if we're not present in it, if we're not paying attention. So God, would you help us to do that this week? We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Right now, we're going to sing a song of decision, and if you've yet to receive Christ, if you've got a decision to make, a commitment that you need to make, we'll invite you to come forward as we sing. Otherwise, use this time to leverage technology to allow you to actually set yourself up for success this week um, and pay attention to God. Why don't you stand as we sing?